Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. glad you're here for week three of our series, The Holy Spirit. And part of, part of learning about the Holy Spirit is learning to be obedient when he tells you to do something. And so I, I have to do something, and I'm not really sure who it's for. Um, Donna was talking, and something she said reminded me of a creed that I used to read to teenagers all the time. And I'm not sure who this is for, but I, I wonder if you're here and, and this week, maybe you felt a little weak, maybe you felt a little defeated, maybe you felt a little bit like you'd lost your way, lost yourself. Um, so I'm going to read this to you, and it's called the Warrior's Creed. Uh, so the first thing I need you to know is you're a warrior, and you're on the right team, and I, I, just, I just need you to receive this, okay? Are you ready? Uh, if you're not ready, I will, I will just skip this. Are you ready? Here it is. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished. I'm finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way rough. My companions few. My guide is is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. You received that today? That's all right. I wish I would have written that. Um, 
Yeah, that was, Donna was, just something she said just sparked that in my heart. I had to sit down and Google it. So welcome to week three of the Holy Spirit. In, in fact, the first two weeks have gotten us to this point. See, week one, we kind of talked about his name. And, and sometimes we, we hear words like spirit or Holy Ghost, and, and it's not as descriptive as, as maybe the, the essence of his name really should be. We learned that his name really is the breath of God. And some of you have just, over the last couple of weeks, let, let God breathe into you, and I'm so glad that you have. Um, but he's not done with you, by the way. It's not, he's the breath of God. He's the wind of God, and I'm praying he just blows over you today. Amen. And the last week we talked about uh, Pentecost and, and why some folks are a little nervous of Pentecost when really all it means is 50. That, that's, that's really nothing to be afraid of. It's really nothing to be nervous about. Uh, in fact, every church is a Pentecostal church because that's where the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Regardless of what happens on the inside of your building, that's, that's who we are. We are the church. And it it was birthed on that day. Our, our key verse has kind of been Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. So it'll be on the screen behind me. Read along with me. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. Now, it's important that you see he didn't find unbelievers. These weren't unbelievers he was talking to. He found disciples, followers of Jesus, and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I'm afraid that that's where we're at even today, that, that either we, we have folks that didn't realize that there is an encounter that we can have as believers, as disciples with the Holy Spirit, or we've been turned off of what we think he might do to us. So we're about the business of dispelling some myths. And one of them involves a word that you might have heard, uh, and it's, it's charismatic. Let me tell you what charismatic, well, in the 90s, charismatic meant you had flags. Right? In, in the 2000s, the early 2000s, charismatic meant you had a step team. Right? And, and can I tell you that... that Nothing could be further from the truth. That's not what it, that word charismatic, you know, people get scared. Well, is your church charismatic? Is your church Pentecostal? First of all, I don't like labels. Uh, what's your church like? We're like Life Point. That's who we are. That's because uh, if you're, you know, if you say the word charismatic, people have this image in their mind. And if you say the word Pentecostal, people have this image in your mind. And if you say charismatic and Pente if you're a charismatic Pentecostal church, then, whoa, my goodness, no telling what happens inside your building. <laughs> that word charismatic really comes from two very terrifying Greek words. The first one is charis. Charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. It's a, it's a Greek word that means Grace. The, almost every time in the New Testament you see the word grace, it's the Greek word charis. And then we have the word uh, charismata, which is a grace gift. It's, and that's what it means to be charismatic, is to possess a grace gift. It, it doesn't mean that 
you know, you, you've, it doesn't mean all that we think it means. It means that you possess a grace gift. And oh, by the way, if you know Jesus, you have one. You might have more than one. And that's where we're going to land today. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about what God wants to do in us and through us. And I hope over the course of the next few moments, we're able to do away with some fears and some myths that you have about what operating in spiritual gifts will do to you. Because we have a very unique church. We've got some folks that have been around Pentecost for a long time, and you've got an idea of what it's supposed to look like. And we've got some folks that have never been a, a part of, of a charismatic or Pentecostal church. And again, I don't like labels. And you're thinking, well, I, I like what they do, but I'm not crossing that line. And I'm just going to tell you, God has something for you. And if God has it, you want it. So here we go. I'm going to talk to you about uh, three gifts. And, and here's the beautiful thing about spiritual gifts. And we're going to get there. Um, did, did anybody grow up in an environment that said, well, if you work hard enough, God will give you these gifts. How many know you can't earn them? Now listen to me. You can't earn them, but you're supposed to do something with them. And I think that's where we miss it. That we somehow feel like these gifts that God gives us, these spiritual gifts are so we can feel good. And so God can, well, God blessed me. What are you going to do with it? All right, so let's go on. Three gifts. And it's important to talk about, before we talk about spiritual gifts, let's talk about the gift of, first of all, eternal life. And here's what I need you to know. This gift stands on its own. And before you are concerned about any of the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about later, let's make sure we've gone down this path. We said it last week. We can't put... Pentecost before Passover. We can't seek after these spiritual gifts until we're sure that Christ has forgiven us of our sins and we've had that encounter with Christ and received eternal life, which is a free gift, by the way, a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It stands on its own. Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death. And so I, I hope you understand. And I, I know many of you have been around the church for a long time and you've heard this. You know, this is one of the Romans Road passages. Anybody remember memorizing the Romans Road? A couple of you. <clears throat> um, this is one of those Romans Road passages that we understand that what we deserve is death. You know, before we get too high and mighty on, on who we think we are and how good we think we are and how holy we think we are, what you deserve and what I deserve is death, period. But the gift of God, the gift of God, it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. You can't tithe your way to it. You can't serve your way to it. You can't attend your way to it. It's a gift. Of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Uh, and and I, it's so important for us to land here first because I want you to understand th that the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about later 
are predicated on this one truth, that you have received Christ and his, eternal, his gift of eternal life. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. God gave his only son, and he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so we might become the righteousness of God in him. He, took, he traded places with you. You deserve death. He deserved glory. He traded places with you so you could receive what he deserved. That's good news, y'all. It's a beautiful gift. The second gift we're going to talk about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. We talked about last week, we talked about the, the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church. But here's what Jesus told his disciples before in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak of. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to give you a little teaser. If, if you believe in Christ and you've, and you've received the gift of eternal life, the Holy Spirit is in you. But in two weeks, we're going to talk about the difference between the Holy Spirit being in you and you being baptized in the Holy Spirit. In two weeks. Don't miss two weeks. Don't miss any. But in two weeks. Now, see, all of a sudden, I can see the wheels turning. Oh, Lord, Katie, bar the door. I don't know. But we're going to talk about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the gift of eternal life, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now for the rest of, of our time together today, we're going to talk about the charismata or the spiritual gifts. And there's so much confusion about the spiritual gifts. There's so much confusion. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, now about the, this is the Apostle Paul said these words, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Now, you have to understand, this is, these are just a short time after Jesus left the earth. And there's already confusion. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. One passage, one translation of that same verse says, I don't want you to be ignorant. There's a lot of confusion. Can I tell you, if there was confusion then, 2,000 years later, there's a whole lot of confusion now. About who the Holy Spirit does and what his gifts are and how they operate. And I really think they come from two places. Uh, I, I got, a, I got a, a wonderful phone call this past week. I remember uh, a, a, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to you about um, a revival service in, in Toronto where they were clucking like chickens. Somebody called me and said, now, Brother Dwayne, I know you. And if God told you to cluck like a chicken, you would. And I'm like, you're right. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> Ain't a rooster a chicken? If a rooster's not a chicken, who's the husband? Who's the, who's the male chicken if it's not a rooster, right? Why aren't we talking about this? And I said, yes, yes, absolutely. But guess what? We're not going to market that. And here's the problem. 
Here's the problem. Now, listen, I, I, I want us to be very careful here. Because, listen, I believe if, if the Lord tells you to do something, you ought to do it. Listen, I'd rather, I, if I'm going to be wrong, I want to be wrong erring on obedience to God. You with me? But I, I have a barometer. I have a barometer. It's God's word. And listen, if, if I see something happen that, that I don't see a, a, a biblical precedent for, I'm not saying that I discount it. I'm saying my antennas go up. Because we got a lot of things that are happening that, that are outside of God's word. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, God helped me pay my mortgage. I don't see a biblical precedent for a mortgage payment in the Bible. So there are some things that, that aren't specific in Scripture that God still does today. I'm just saying that when I see something that seems a little odd, my first place is to look in, in the Bible and see if there's biblical precedent. If there isn't, I'm not saying I discount it. I'm saying my antennas go up. And I think that's a, I don't want you to discount anything that God does. I, I just, if, it's, if it's not in the Bible, be careful. Because I think that's where some of the confusion comes from. You know, you know we, we saw this movement a few years ago where apparently gold dust was falling in, in, you know, in the services of, of some churches. And I'm like, hey, that's great. Sweep it up and, and, and go to the children's hospital. Sweep it up and go help, some, go, go build a church somewhere. But you never heard about that. You never heard, well, what are you doing with the dust? We're just showing it off on YouTube. Do something with it then. Because, by the way, here's your other barometer. If somebody's got a gift and they're not doing anything with it, it's not a gift. It's a show. And I'm not about the business of being in show business. If God gives you something, then it's, it's meant to be used. Does that make sense? So that's the first place of confusion. I'm not discounting what I... Listen, if you say God did something for you, then it's not my, I'm not the judge. I'm not, that's not, I'm not the gatekeeper. I'm just saying, if, if it's not in the Bible, my antenna goes up. That's the first place confusion comes from. The second place is it's really a, a theological movement that's, that's present in our... In, in, our, in our church today, in our, in our church, in the, in the church. And, and this isn't a theology class. I'm not going to bore you. But then it, it's called cessationism. And basically what cessationism teaches is that when the last apostle died, when the last apostle died, spiritual gifts died with them. In other words, now, now people concentrate on one particular spiritual gift, but... What that what cessationism teaches is that prophecy and miracles and healing and deliverance and all of the spiritual gifts died with the last apostle and I cry hooey. Can I I can prove it right now? See, because if if cessationism is true, then all the miracles stopped. God hadn't done a miracle since since the apostles died. How many of you have experienced one? All right, then. But see, there's a lot of confusion that, well, if you've experienced a miracle, it wasn't real. If you've experienced healing, it wasn't real. It, but, you know, it was some preacher that's deceived you. And I'm going to tell you, hooey, that the spirit, spiritual gifts are just as alive today as they were when, when, when the, the, on the day of Pentecost. I believe that with all of my heart. 
There's some 18, at least 18 different spiritual gifts listed in Scripture. And there's no way we got time to go through them all this morning. And I did that on purpose. Do you know why? Because I'm going to challenge you to get your fannies to growth track. Because we'll talk about all of them in growth track. Go. Some of you are thinking, I don't need to go there. Yes, you do. You need to go. And I'm going to bug you, bug you, bug you until you go. Can we be honest? We really, most of the confusion centers around one gift. Am I right? Most of the confusion centers around one gift. People don't have a problem with 17 of the 18 spiritual gifts. They have a problem with one. Know what it is? What is it? And, and the interesting thing about the gift of tongues is there's so much confusion from that, that swings the entire pendulum of, uh, of people who are following Christ. We've had folks that have been around Pentecost for a long time and have in their mind a certain way that that gift's supposed to operate. And, and we put God in this. We, we were talking about this this morning in our prayer time about how we try to put God in a box. And somebody said, you know what? You can't limit God. You can't put, who do you think, who we think we are that we can put a limit on God? Can't contain him. And then maybe he hadn't been around uh, a Pentecostal or charismatic church. And, and, and that, that sort of scares you. And I get it. It scared me to death. Now, listen, anybody like me that didn't grow up in church and, and started like in a Pentecostal church as a teenager or something like that, anybody or just me? All right, I'm just going to tell you, y'all, y'all ain't never seen nothing like y'all saw in my home church. Because that's when we had Sunday night church. And on Sunday night, oh my goodness. I learned as a high school student that you invite your friends to church, but don't invite them on Sunday night. Because it's on on Sunday night, you know. <laughs> I remember... I remember my first Sunday night at the, at the church that I gave my heart to the Lord in. And it was just a handful of people there. And the pastor decided to set the atmosphere. And he dimmed all the lights and called everybody up to the altar. And there, there might have been 15 people there, 18, 20 people, something like that. And I'm like, oh, here it comes. They're gonna, if, if I see a box with holes in the top, I'm out of here. Because I'd heard about those people. And there's so many there's so much confusion about what Pentecost and what the Pentecostal experience is all about. And, and listen, let, let, me, let me take a little pressure off. God's, God's not going to pour anything on you you don't want. God's not going to force you to do anything. Because God doesn't want a bunch of puppets. What I hope happens is that not just that one gift, but we, we, we see all of these gifts and, and have a hunger for who God is and what he wants to do in our life. Can we agree on one thing? When, when we gave our heart to Christ and we started down this journey, there came a point, I bet in every one of your life, every one of your lives, that you said, there's got to be more 
there's more to this Jesus thing than just going through these motions. I, there's more, and I want you to know there's more. We're going to talk about it more in two weeks. See, there's this, there's this idea. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 says it like this. A spiritual gift is given to special people. Spiritual gift is given to preachers. Spiritual gift is given to the holy people that don't wear makeup and slick their hair back. <laughs> A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can feel better about ourselves. So the hair on the back of our neck can stand up. So we can act crazy in church. <laughs> so we can help each other. You can't earn it, but you're supposed to do something with it. Here's how it looked in the early church. All right, so the apostles died, and all of a sudden, there's this idea that. All of these churches have been planted and are continuing to be planted, and they're all over the place. And, and, and a few hundred years go by, and all of a sudden, or decades go by, and, and well, we got to put somebody in charge. And so they called these people priests, borrowed it from the Hebrew nation. We'll call these people priests, and they'll be in charge of, we'll call them clergy. And everybody else that's not clergy, we'll call them laity. And so we'll build this dividing wall between clergy and laity. In fact, for hundreds of years, the priests would preach in Latin. And guess what? Nobody else understood it. So they would come to church and listen to this mumbo jumbo and, and not have any idea what the man was saying. Do you think that's really what... What Paul and the apostles had in mind when they planted all these churches, speaking a language nobody else can understand. And this went on, listen, for over a thousand years. And then in the, in the 1500s, something happened. We call it the Protestant Reformation. And we don't have time. Again, this isn't a theology class, but something beautiful happened. One of the tenets of the Protestant Reformation is called the priesthood of all believers. In other words, the spiritual gifts that God has given not just are for everybody. The husbands, you're a priest and a king in your home. You're a spiritual leader. So I need you to know. You know, I get frustrated sometimes. Y'all are going to judge me for this, but it's true. I don't. When I meet somebody new, I don't tell them I'm a pastor right away. Because people treat you differently. And it annoys me. In fact, sometimes maybe I'm at a party or something or with a group of people. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and people say, well, Dwayne's here. Let him say the blessing. And I'm like, I'm off the clock. And, and people look at me funny, and I'm like, and, and, but here's what I, the message I'm trying to send. I'm not the only one in this room that can say the blessing. And, and I need you to understand that this deal at LifePoint, it, it's not Dwayne. It's us. 
And I, what I want you to get is I want you to find that place that you belong and plug in and serve God with your gift and watch what he does with it. All right, so let's, let's, talk, about, let's talk about spiritual gifts. Here's, here's your, the way you define it. Um, a spiritual gift is, number one, special. Um, I, I think it's unique. I think you're gifting, even though... Maybe this will help explain it. Um, I, I believe that God has gifted me to preach. I, I, I get it that I'm not the greatest communicator in the planet, but I'm. Here's the deal: I, I'm. I, I don't preach like everybody else, and everybody else doesn't preach like me. God's gifted me to do this work, and He's gifted you to do yours. It's special. It's supernatural, and God-given. Can I tell you? See, I've, I've watched y'all. I, I, I know Joy and Tracy love church. But you know when they really sense God? It's when they're doing what they do across the, other, uh, across the way. It's a supernatural experience for them. Two weeks ago, I came to New Life. And I sat and I watched. And, and, and I wish you guys could have seen Angie. And how the Spirit of the Lord just flows through her when she's trying to help these folks that are dealing with addiction. It is supernatural. Can I tell you, when I'm on this stage, I don't care if there's two or 200, I, mean, I, I know that I'm doing what God's called me to do. And I, there's, there's no way that you can, that you can, I, I, I just can't imagine being closer to God than when you're fulfilling the purpose that he has for you. I, I, I read some of the stuff Kelly writes, and I'm like, oh, I'd give anything to be able to put words on a page like that. And I guarantee you, I've never talked to her about this, but I guarantee you when, she's, when those words are coming out, man, that's, that's a supernatural experience. And I want that for you. It's supernatural. It's God-given. And listen, it's for everybody. It's not just... See, I... The enemy has deceived people and told them, well, you're not holy enough, and you're not good enough, and you're not talented enough, and you don't have it all together. Well, get in stinking line. That's on the approved Christian cuss word list. So. <laughs> and it's given not just for you. Those spiritual gifts are given to advance God's kingdom. And here's the problem. We're trying to build ours. So, I want you to find yours. Listen to me. Come to Growth Track. Come to Growth Track. Plug in. The first week, you're going to find out what our church is all about. And the second week, we're going to help you discover your spiritual gift. And the next two weeks, we're going to help you put them to use. And you're welcome. All right. Three things are going to help us understand spiritual gifts. Number one, we're going to connect to our gifts. In other words, we're going to discover them. That's what Growth Track's all about. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 says, We have different gifts 
according to the grace given to each of us. We have different gifts, charismatas, that's what that word is, according to the grace, charis, that given to each of us. They are grace gifts. How many of you earned grace? No, they are for each of us. And they may be unique. I have an uncle um, that was a Baptist missionary for 133 years, my whole life. Um, we saw Uncle Jack about, you know, once every four years. And I knew right away after having a conversation with him at about 11 or 12 years old that I was not going to be a foreign missionary. Because he told me the story. At this time, he's serving in Costa Rica. And he's, he told me the story about waking up and there being a huge anaconda in his bedroom. And I went, nope. I am not going to be a foreign missionary. And he would, he would uh, he'd come home every three or four years for Christmas, and I would say, Uncle Jack, doesn't it feel good to be home? Doesn't it feel good to have left you know, the mission field and, and come home? And he said, son, you don't understand. This isn't home. I'm home with the anaconda. I'm home with my people. And he didn't say this way, but what, I've, what, what I understand now many years later is... My heart is in doing what God called me to do, and that's home. He found his. I found mine. I want you to find yours. David said in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. Now, some of you have heard that, that verse so many times. You created my inmost being. He didn't say you created my nose and eyebrows and ears. You created what's inside me. And if you'll let him, the Holy Spirit will make a deposit inside of you and make you passionate about something and, and, and draw. And, and Oh, by the way, listen to me. It's there. Jeremiah said, before I knew you, I formed you. Before I knew you, I ordained you for this work. David said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And here's how we know definitely that David was a man. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If he was standing in front of a mirror, he would have went like this. Because we do that. It's true. <laughs> Your works are wonderful. And then here's where I want us all to get. I know that full well. I want you to be able to say, I know why I'm on this planet. I know why God created me. I know why God has, has put me here, as Esther said, for such a time as, as this. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be. Listen. God's still writing your story. And it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful book. And here's what would, what would terrify me. Is if I knew that God was writing the story of my, of my life. And, and I just decided not to plug into his plan. Wouldn't it be 
sad to go to heaven. And now, don't get me wrong, this is not theologically correct. Because there's no tears in heaven, there's no sadness, no sorrow. But wouldn't it be sad to understand that God had all of this prepared for you and deposited in you and we did nothing with it? You don't have a blank for this, but you ought to write this down. This is tweetable. God has designed me so I can reach my destiny. Everything you need to accomplish the, path, the plan that God has for you in this life is in you or is being prepared for you. All right, so we're going to connect. We're going to discover our gifts. Number two, we're going to grow in our God-given gifts. Or develop. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I love that word eagerly. And, and what the, the picture that paints in my mind is that if, if God's got a plan and a purpose and a gift for me, I, I, I want to pursue it and I want to chase it. And oh, by the way, I need to develop it. And, and, and here's, we, we get so spiritual that we feel like we don't have part of the process. And I'm going to tell you that's not true. You know, I, I feel like God's gifted me to communicate, but here's the deal. I, I read about communication. I listen to pastors who are a lot better at it than I am. Because I want to develop the gift that God's given me. If you've got a, 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 a gift and a passion, develop it. Ask God to grow it. And here's what will happen. First uh, Timothy 1 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. At Mary Night Live, we talked about the flame of romance, but here's what's true of any flame. If you don't feed it, guess what happens? It dies. If you don't feed a flame, it dies. So if, if your fire has gone out for God, don't blame the fireplace. All right. So we connect with our gifts. We discover them. We grow in our gifts, we develop them, and then we serve with our God-given gifts. And that way we find our destiny by actually using them gifts, those gifts, them gifts. First Peter chapter 4 says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Listen, manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Here's what I want for you. And in order, I've shared this story before, but I hate sharing this story. But, but I, think, I think it'll help you. Because honestly, um, I, I feel like God has, has moved me past this experience. When I first felt the call to ministry, um, I was so excited. I was so zealous. I was so hungry for what I felt like God was going to do in our life and in our family. And, and I, was, I was doing all I knew to do to develop that, these gifts that I felt like God was putting in my life. And somebody I respect 
Somebody that I loved, somebody I looked at as a mentor, looked at me in my eyes and said, Dwayne, you will never have a pulpit ministry. And there's, there is no words to describe how defeated and discouraged I was in that moment. There was, there's no words to describe how lost I felt in that moment. There's no words to describe how uh, confused I was. And I carried that with a, for a very, very, very long time. And then years later, another man that I respect and that I love put big arms around me and slathered some anointing oil on my head. Some of y'all been there. And blessed me. And said, Father, I bless his pulpit to be far greater than mine ever was. And in that day, all of that discouragement, all of that defeat, all that was healed. And so I can stand in front of you today with confidence, not in Duane, but in the gift that God has and say, I was made for this. This is why I'm put on this planet. It's, whether there's two of you, anybody that will show up to listen, I want to teach God's word till the day I die. Because this is why God created me. And I want that for you. I want you to be able to say, I was made for this. Man. And oh, by the way, there are days, listen, I'm a human being. And there are days when I, when I think, I'll, I'll walk off this stage and think, that was ridiculous. That didn't help anybody. I'm not even sure what I said. And that enemy will come in and he'll go, yeah, what, what you heard all those years ago was right, wasn't it? And, and sometimes I'll play with that in my mind. Anybody let, let your mind mess with you? I'll play with that in my mind. And then all of a sudden, I'll remember those big hands wrapped around and put on my shoulders. Bless you. And I'll know, no. And I'll... There's freedom. And listen, I'm not trying to talk to, about Dwayne. I'm just telling you, I want that for you. I want you to, when, when this life is over, I want you to be able to say, I found what God, why God put me on this planet, and I, I served at it faithfully, and I was made to do what he called me to do, and I did it. I, I failed sometimes, I, and I didn't do it the way I should have all the time, and I, and, and I stumbled, but I, to the best that I could, I did what God called me to do, and maybe, maybe that's preaching in a pulpit, maybe it's wiping butts in the nursery, maybe it's taking care of children in the children's church, maybe it's giving, maybe it's helping, see, some of you got gifts that you don't even realize, you walk in this building, and you'll see chairs out of the place, and you'll go over there and straighten them, and you won't even think about it, it's just what you do, because you've got the gift of helps. I got to text somebody from somebody this morning that has the gift of encouragement. Man, I can't wait for today. You have no idea what that does to me. That's encouragement. What Donna did, she didn't even realize that this is the gift operating. It's called exhortation. She didn't plan those words. She let the Holy Spirit work through her, and, and, and you were encouraged because of what she said. That's because she was made for this, and I want that for you. All right. Six things. 
Six things that are, are, are going to help us find out what we're made for. First thing is touch first base. You said that last week, yes, and I'll probably say it next week and the week after. Don't bypass Passover to get to Pentecost. And, and listen, if you're here, and I try to do this every week in one way, shape, form, or fashion. If you're here and you haven't, you haven't crossed the line of faith and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, do that today. Do, do that today. Number two is I want you to acknowledge that God has gifts for who? You. Period. Well, Dwayne, you don't understand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not where you're at. I'm, you better hope you're not where I'm at. I'm not where you're at. God has gifts for you. For you. When the enemy tells you that he doesn't, there's this beautiful verse in the book of John where Jesus said, and when the enemy speaks, lying is his native language. So the enemy tells you that God doesn't have anything for you. Guess what that means? That he does. Number three, pray for desire. Maybe you're hearing you say, Dwayne, I get it. I hear what you're saying. I believe you, but I'm just quite content to let somebody else do it. So maybe pray for desire. Maybe a better thing to pray for is desperation. God spoke to me about something this week through one of the most weird ways ever. So I wake up Friday morning, Friday morning. And I don't know about y'all. Just please tell me that some of y'all are in my tribe. I'm really no good to anybody until I get a cup of coffee. Is anybody in my tribe? In my tribe. Okay. We're a pretty big tribe. <laughs> and so I went over and I put my little cake up in. I put my, and, and I hit the button and it went, Meh. and I went, don't play. <laughs> don't play. So I unplugged it, plugged it back in, hit the button. Eh. I'm like, all right, it's not funny. And so I, I put something on Instagram. I'm like, uh, I took a picture of my Keurig because I was desperate. And I said, my Keurig died. It's somebody, listen, I hadn't talked to in 30 years. <laughs> Said, have you tried spanking your Keurig? And I said, no, because I'm not insane. And she said, no, it's really a thing. Google it. And so because I was desperate, I Googled spank your Keurig. How desperate do you have to be to Google spank your Keurig? And it's a real thing. And it said, it had the whole process. And so early Friday morning, here's the image I need you to have in your head. Dwayne standing over his kitchen sink, holding the Keurig upside down and spanking it for all I'm worth. Pow. And I... And she, the little article said, you got to hit it hard. And so I'm like, it's broken anyway. I'm, I'm beating this thing like it was an unruly child. Pow, pow. I, and then I plugged it back in, and it worked. And it's worked from then till now. Spanking your cure, it works. 
And then the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And he said, you tell them that I'm longing for people to be that desperate for my Holy Spirit. Mm. But we're not. God, forgive us. Forgive us for thinking that your Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are some, some spiritual one-night stand, some holy hookup where you just make us feel good. It's not what it's for. See, that's what we're desperate for, for, to, for God to somehow make us feel better. And listen, I'm not telling you that he won't. I'm not telling you that you won't come, that the, the power of the Holy Spirit won't encourage you and, and strengthen you and, and pull you out of a depressed moment. I'm not telling you that he won't do that. I'm just telling you that's not the only reason he came. But we're so hungry for God to do something to us. Are you desperate for God to do something to you? Or are you desperate for God to do something through you? The reason the Holy Spirit came is not just to do something to you. It's to do something through you. Are you desperate for God to do something through you? If you're not, pray to that end. Number four, recognize that spiritual gifts evolve. Some of you took a spiritual gifts test with us 11 years ago, and I'm telling you that maybe those gifts have evolved. And so you need to recognize that just because that this was your gift in 1972 may not be your gift in 19, in what, 19, in 20, whatever we're in now. <laughs> Number five, I want you to approach spiritual gifts without a filter. In other words, God. Let's see, here's 18 gifts. I want 2, 7, 9, 11, and 13. How about we just do what we said last week and just seek the giver? Right? Let him worry about the gifts. And then lastly, I'm just going to let her put it up on the screen. Don's going to come. We're going to pray. I genuinely believe in my heart that God wants to do something amazing in your life. That God has a great gift for you. That God has in these spiritual gifts. And oh, by the way, the ones in the Bible are beautiful. And I'm not, but I'm not sure that's a comprehensive list. I think, I think God is gifting people today to, to use social media as an evangelism tool. I think God is gifting people in very new and unique ways, and I think that's beautiful. And, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what I don't want you to do. I, I don't want you to believe the lie of the enemy that the spiritual gift's for somebody else. It's for you. And so I'm going to pray that over the next hour, 
moment, weeks, months, that, that God bursts in you a desire for everything that he has for you. And that you'll approach him without a filter. God, if it's in your word and it's from your spirit, I, I want it. And I want to find out why I was made. I want to find out, God, what, what it is that you have for me. And if you'll do what we said today, seek the giver. Scripture says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the marvelous things God has prepared for those who love him. And I, I just want you to receive that today. Your mind can't comprehend. You, you can't see or even imagine what God has prepared for you. If you'll press in. I'm going to pray for you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for, first of all, the gift of eternal life. Where would we be without your power and presence in our life? Where would we be without forgiveness of our sin, without your mercy and grace? Where would we be? So before we ask anything of you, we thank you for your son Jesus, who loved us enough to give his life. For our father, who loved us enough to send his only son. No, by the way, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, why don't you receive him into your heart today? It's a simple process. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Reveal to me why I'm on this planet. So God, we're thankful for the gift of eternal life. And God, we're thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit who is wind in our sails, who is breath in our lungs. And God, we're thankful that each of us has a special spiritual gift. So God, I pray that over the next few moments, over the next few hours, days and weeks, you would reveal those gifts to us. You'd help us to discover them, to develop them, and to use them as part of our destiny for each other, for like your word says, the common good. So I pray for each one in this room today. God, that at the end of our lives, we will have discovered why we are on this planet and can say, God, I was made for this. God, would you... Would you just, by the power of your spirit, speak in the hearts of, of men and women today what the this is. In Jesus' name.